I'm going to ask you to be seated this morning. During our revival, on the Sunday morning of our revival, uh, Reese uh, came to church, and uh, I'm so glad he did. Uh, he and I met uh, the week before that, and we talked about several different things, and uh, he rededicated his life to the Lord and uh, joined the church. And so, Reese, I'm going to ask you to come. I have a certificate I want to give to you this morning. This says church membership. This certificate that Reese Zittle has publicly confessed Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior and has been received into the full membership of Calvary Independent Baptist Church on the 12th day of November in the year of our Lord 2023. And then scripture there is Acts 2.47. So praise God. Welcome to the church, brother. God bless you. I'm going to ask you now if you would take the word of God and turn with us to Joshua chapter 11. Joshua chapter 11 this morning. Joshua chapter 11. And when we get to Joshua chapter 11, we're going to begin reading. Um, I'll tell you what, let's go ahead and begin reading in verse 1 of that chapter. <clears throat> And the word of God states, And it came to pass when Jabin, king of Hazor, had heard those things that he sent to jo uh, Jobab, king of uh, Maiden, and to the king of Shimron, and to the king of Askthos, and to the kings that were on the north of the mountains um, of the plain south of Shinnereth, and in the valley and in the borders of Dor on the west, and to the Canaanite on the east and on the west, and to the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Jebusite, all the Zite brothers, you see, they were all there. And uh, to the Hivite under Hermon in the land of Mizpah. And they went out, they and all their hosts with them, much people, even as the sand that is upon the seashore, in multitude, with horses and chariots, very many. And when all these kings were met together, they came and pitched together at the waters of Merom, to fight against Israel. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Be not afraid because of them, for tomorrow about this time will I deliver them up all slain before Israel. Thou shalt hoe their horses and burn their chariots with fire. So Joshua came and all the people of war with them against them by the waters of Merim. Suddenly, and they fell upon them. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Israel, who smote them and chased them unto uh, uh, great uh, Zidon and unto uh, Mesphathmam and unto the valley of Mizpah eastward. And they smote them until they left them none remaining. And Joshua did unto them, <clears throat> excuse me, as the Lord bade him. He hoed their horses and burnt their chariots with fire. And Joshua at that time turned back. <clears throat> And took Hazor and smote the king thereof with the sword. For Hazor before time was the head of all those kingdoms. And they smote all the souls that were therein with the edge of the sword, utterly destroying them that was not any left to breathe. And he burnt Hazor with fire. 
And all the cities of those kings and all the kings of them did Joshua take and smote them with the edge of the sword, and he utterly destroyed them, as Moses the servant of the Lord commanded. <clears throat> Excuse me. But as for the cities that stood still in their strength, Israel burned none of them, save Hazor only. That did Joshua burn. And all the spoil of these cities and the cattle, the children of Israel, took for a prey unto themselves. But every man they smote with the edge of the sword until they had destroyed them, neither left they any to breathe. As the Lord commanded Moses, his servant, so did Moses command Joshua, and so did Joshua. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded Moses. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer this morning. <clears throat> now, Father, as we come and approach your throne of grace, we thank you, Lord, for your holiness today. And, Father, we realize today that you're high and lifted up. We realize today that we cannot reach you without the blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you for your spirit today that enables us to speak to you now, to enter into the throne room, and, Father, for you to be able to hear our prayers today. And we thank you, Father, that as you have gathered us together here in this place, Lord, that we're not here by chance. Lord, that we have been gathered here for a purpose. And, Lord, that purpose is for every single one of us to hear this lesson today. So, Father, I pray that you would allow your Holy Spirit to prepare our hearts that we might hear this message. Lord, that we might leave this place in a little while knowing that we have met with thee, knowing that we've heard your word today. And then, Father, I pray that if there be any in this congregation that are lost today, Lord, that have never accepted you as their Savior, I pray today might be the day that they would fall out of love with sin and fall in love with you. And so today, Father, we love you and we praise you. And we ask you now to undergird this preacher, Father. Uh, strengthen me and encourage me, Lord, as we bring forth this lesson. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to draw your attention back to verse 15 this morning, if I could. Notice there he says, As the Lord commanded Moses, his servant, so did Moses command Joshua. And so did Joshua. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded Moses. So Moses has turned the mantle, if you will, turned the work over now to Joshua. Joshua now is the leader of the Hebrew people. He is the one leading them and guiding them now in Canaan land as they move through Canaan land. Uh, you know, of course, they crossed the Jordan River. They moved in and they met all these different uh, peoples there. Uh, some were giants that they met. Uh, the Amalekites, they were giants. They were 8 to 10 feet tall. And, of course, that's what Goliath, Goliath was an Amalekite. And so these were different peoples than they had ever seen before. And Joshua, and you'll notice here something, I'll mention this again in a few moments. Uh, Joshua, even though he was doing these things, he was still a little bit of afraid. And that's why the Lord tells him in this scripture not to be afraid. Because if you'll read all these different kingdoms that gathered together there in that valley to come against Israel, there were thousands and thousands, I would say even hundreds of thousands of fighting peoples there. And the kings themselves were there to come against Israel. 
And God yet provided unto Joshua a truth that he provides unto us every single day, that God will provide for us, that God will take care of us no matter what the uh, circumstance, no matter what is standing in our way, that God will always be there for us and he'll always fight for us if we just do what God tells us to do. And so we find something important here in this lesson that I want to speak to us about, and that is the fact that he left nothing undone. In other words, he did every single thing that, that Moses had told him to do. And the reason he did all these things that Moses commanded him to do is because this is what God commanded Moses to do. And as God commanded Moses to do these things, he handed those things down to, uh, to Joshua now. And now Joshua is planning to do every single thing that Moses has been told of God to do. And so the work of God is going to continue on because he's not going to leave something off here, leave something off over there and maybe do it his way and say, well, Moses, I could have done this a little bit better or God, I could do this a little bit better. He wanted to make sure he did it exactly the way Moses said because that's exactly what God said to do. And you see, what we find out in this is that you and I today, we are supposed to do exactly what God has told us to do. No matter what it is that God leads us into, we are to abide by His Word and honor Him and obey Him explicitly. And that means every word in the Bible. We cannot just take a part of the Bible and say, okay, I believe this and I will obey this part. We must obey and honor every single word of God. And that means we must look at the Bible not just in portions, not just in chapters, but we must look at the Bible in its entirety and realize that the entire Bible is applicable to our lives today. And how sad it is that sometimes we just look at a certain portion and we only want to accept that little portion and maybe even not just that little portion. And so today I want to speak to you on this subject about he left nothing undone now we're coming up on the christmas holiday season right and i know some of you have probably already been purchasing gifts and things you do that probably throughout the year uh, many people nowadays do that uh, but you know when you get to that christmas day if you're like us we're always sitting there thinking you know did we get all the people that we were going to get something for, did we get it, you know, did we uh, do all this that we were supposed to do for that? And we warned him, did we do, did we do everything? And we even have that, that situation happen when we go to the grocery store. You know, we'll go into the grocery store and we'll be in there and Debbie's got her list, you know, and she's checking things off on her list. And, you know, of course, I'm throwing things in there that's not on the list and usually it's junk food, and uh, which why this is here, but... You know, we're putting these things in our cart, and then we go through the checkout line, and, and we go out the, uh, the doors to go to the vehicle. We get in the vehicle, and Debbie says, I know what it was that I forgot. And sometimes it's until after we get going down the road, and I'll say, do you want me to turn around and go back? And she'll say, no, don't worry about it. I'll say, are you sure? Do you not want me to turn around and go back? We're close by right now. You know, if we get farther down the road, it'll be harder to turn around and come back. She says, no, just don't worry about it. So I like it like the other day when uh, that happened to us. Uh, we got into the truck, and we're sitting there in the truck, and David says, hang on, I remember what it was that I forgot. And, you know, we were trying to prepare for our Thanksgiving meal. 
And so I say, well, go on back in right now and get it before we take off down the road, you know. So she went into the store and got what she needed, come back out. That gave me time to rest up from walking through the store, you know, and that was good too. But what I'm saying is sometimes we forget things, don't we? Sometimes God enables us with tasks and jobs to do, and yet we leave things undone. Sometimes because we forget it. Sometimes because we don't think that we have the ability or the knowledge or the, even the, sometimes the desire to get these things accomplished for God. And sometimes, like Joshua, we're just simply afraid. Now, I'm going to tell you something, friends. Uh, we should never be afraid of things that God calls us into. We should never be afraid of a task that God has, has wanted us to do or asked us to do or in His Word teaches us that we are to do. We should never be afraid of that. In fact, uh, if we go into the New Testament, we should never be afraid to step out on faith. We find that the Apostle Peter, uh, when they were on the Sea of Galilee, uh, Peter is the one who gets out of the boat when they see Jesus coming towards them. In fact, they thought it was a ghost, if you remember, but yet Peter goes on out because Jesus bid him to come, didn't he? Not just Peter did he bid to come. He bid all of them to come. But Peter was the only one who had enough faith to get out of the boat. You say, old preacher, he began to sink, didn't he? Right. You know why he began to sink? Because everybody else back in the boat was saying, Peter, don't go, don't go. And so he lost faith. Fears. Fears, you see. Fears sometimes will bring to us thoughts of, of negativity, uh, fear sometimes brings us the, the understanding that we're not ready for this, that we cannot do this. Or, or maybe the, the, it seems too much that we cannot uh, overcome this burden that's in front of us or this task that's in front of us. Listen, dear friends, if we do it God's way and by God's will, we can always do what God wants us to do. And we can move forward in these things. But God instills in us that we must desire that and want that and step out out on that same type of faith like Peter did. Amen. Now, I believe Joshua was a shy, timid young man. And if you'll read about Joshua, you find out that he was that way. Repeatedly, Moses told him to have good courage. So as he was teaching him and training him, he was teaching him that he needed to have good courage. We all need courage to move forward for the Lord, do we not? And if we do not have that courage, if we stand still, we never get anything done. Remember Thomas there in the upper room and, and Thomas comes to Jesus and, and, and we see him doubting the fact. Well, the reason he doubted is because he didn't have enough courage in his heart to believe what Jesus said unto him the day that he said it to him there. And so we must have courage. The only way our church will ever move forward and the only way any church ever moves forward is to make sure that we have courage to do that. And so Moses tried to teach Joshua some courage. And I believe that he was initially hesitant uh, and without boldness. I think God tells us to boldly become before His throne of grace, does He not? We're to come before that with, with singing and with praise. That's why when we gather here together on Sundays and Wednesdays, we sing these hymns uh, and we lift the Word of God up. We lift the name of God up. And that encourages our souls and gives us courage to move on Amen. instead of hesitating. Yet we find that Joshua here, even though he had all these idiosyncrasies, he still was able to develop into a great leader, was he not? 
He was the one that led them into the promised land. He was the one that led them through the promised land and there were many great battles that were fought because Joshua stood his ground and did it God's way. How can a timid, shy, withdrawn believer rise to such heights? Well, I can tell you something, dear friends. I remember when God called me to preach. I hadn't been saved but about four months and God called me to preach and I thought to myself, there is no way that God's calling me to preach. I was the most shy, most timid person in the world, I thought. In fact, when I went to a restaurant with my family, I would shy back in a corner, and the reason I did that is because I thought everybody was staring at me. I didn't want nobody seeing me put my fork or my spoon in my mouth and chew, let alone do anything else, you know. I was shy. I was kind of a backwards kid. Now, I'm not shy today, you know. I stand up here in this pulpit and I preach. Somebody has asked me before many times, they'll say, Preacher, do you ever get nervous when you stand behind the pulpit? Are, are you ever afraid? And I say, No. And they say, Well, why not? I say, Because I have courage that God has given unto me. I have strength that God has given unto me. And I am delivering the message that God has laid upon my heart. And listen, dear friends, I want to know at the end of my life when I, when I have that epitaph written on my gravestone or if it's before that time and the Lord comes back, I want to know that God says unto me, Well done. And people here on this earth understand that I left nothing undone. Amen? Amen? And so he left nothing undone, Joshua did. What a great testimony to have that you did everything that you were supposed to do for the Lord. Can you say that today, that you have done everything that God has asked you to do? Everything that Pastor Hodge, when he was here, preached and, and talked to you and led you in here, have you done everything? Well, nothing undone requires some things to be done, you know. In other words, for us to be able to make sure that nothing is undone in our lives, we need to make sure that we do some things first of all. Again, I want you to notice verse 15. Verse 15 again says, As the Lord commanded. And he's talking about Moses first, and then Moses commands Joshua, and then that same command that the Lord gave is following through, and now uh, Joshua is doing these things. Moses is commanded of the Lord. And you and I today have been commanded by God. In other words, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we have been commanded to do these things that God has for us in His Word. Joshua then... Because Moses was commanded, Joshua now is commanded. So let's back up a few moments here. Now, I can't go through all the genealogies in my, in my memory. I cannot go through all these because I don't even know all of your genealogies. But let's just start at Moses, for instance. And let's say that Moses did what God told him to do from the command. And then Joshua did what God told him by the command. In other words, God's command did not change. It continued on into Moses. It continued on into Joshua. It continued on in all the family after that. It continued 
continued on in all of Israel, all of Hebrew. Uh, it continued on in all the rest of the Western world. It continued on in all the Eastern world at that time. And now it continues on even here in this church right here in McConnellsburg, Pennsylvania. In other words, God's command is still the same command that it was in the Old Testament. It is still the same command that we put God first and we honor God and we lift God up. It's still the same command, dear friends. It's never changed. And you see, what happens is people change. And when people change, they try to change the command of God. And that's why things get left undone. Because then we start listening to the commands of people instead of the commands of God. And I'm not here to command you to do anything. I'm here to show you what God has commanded you to do. And when we are commanded to do something, these are things that must be done. You've heard me say before that there are things in the Bible that's called Bible imperatives. It is imperative to our faith. It is imperative to our life. It is imperative to the life that we'll live in heaven one day eternally. It is imperative that we honor and we obey the commands of God. In order to leave nothing undone, Joshua had to do these things. And in order for us to leave nothing undone, you and I have to do the same thing. We fail because we do not see these things. We get so focused on ourselves sometimes, and even sometimes in our churches, and pastors are, are you know, they do this too. Uh, we get so focused sometimes even on doing the work of God that we forget why we're doing the work of God. We're doing it to obey His commands and to further His kingdom. You know, Christ, when He came to this earth, he, His reasoning to come to this earth, He said it to us. He came to seek and save that which is lost. And that command is still here today. We are, I, I think, sometimes forgetting that our job as Christians is to seek and save that which is lost. And we get caught up in all the preliminaries. We get caught up in the programs. We get caught up in the things that we do in church. And we forget that the main thing should still be the main thing. Amen? And that main thing is, is bringing souls to Jesus Christ. Now, I'm glad to see each and every one of you here today. And I'm glad to see the pews beginning to fill up. I'm glad to have our visitors with us today. But can you imagine if every single person in here today had led someone to the Lord this week and said, Will you please come to church with me on Sunday? Can you imagine we'd have double the amount of people here? And honestly, I believe it would be like Jesus at the Sea of Galilee. I think we'd have even more than that. Because Jesus, when he blessed the fish and he blessed the loaves, do you know? know what happened after that the bible says that they took up 12 basketfuls of the fragments that was left over afterwards so when we do what god says that we're supposed to do god blesses us in such a way that he gives us an overabundance amen, amen. now wouldn't that be nice how sad that sometimes we do not do that we have our own little to-do list don't we now, I, I like lists because it kind of keeps me in order, you know. When I, when I, d I preach a sermon, I, I have an outline that I do. It kind of keeps me on, on track, if you will. I had to do that because early in my ministry, I used to run rabbits. And I had a preacher tell me one time, he said, if you run a rabbit, go out and shoot it and come back to your message, you know. Well, you know, sometimes we have to do that. 
And, and so we, we see then that these lists sometimes, we get caught up in our list that we forget why we're doing the list anyway. Do you have a to-do list for the Lord? Do you have a to-done list with the Lord? Things that you're to do and things that you've already done. Wow. And if you do, how is the to-done list? Is it as big as the to-do list? Or is it like this and the to-do list is still over here? I believe today that we need to have more on that to-done list than we do on the to-do list. Admittedly, it requires purpose and it requires planning. And that's one reason why God tells us in His Word that we need to do all things that the Lord has asked us to do decently and in order. Everything. That means from our getting up in the mornings, our prayer time, our Bible reading time, our study time, not just our Bible reading time and our study time, but the time that we actually sit down just read the Bible and let the Lord speak to us. We're not studying it at that point. We're just reading it and letting God speak to us through it. And we need that time. You see, Joshua here, he had a purpose and he had a plan. His purpose was to do the will of God. The plan, God had already given him the plan because God had already given Moses that plan and Moses told Joshua what the plan was and now God tells Joshua, you, you go ahead and move forward. Joshua says, God, I'm a little afraid about this. There's a bunch of people out there in that valley. And there's what, uh, six or seven, eight or nine different kings that were there. And then, of course, the head of all those kings, of all that kingdom, he's there too. And God said, oh, don't you worry about that. He said, I got them. I got them right here in my back pocket. I'm going to take care of those. Now, isn't that what we usually do, though? When God gives us all these tasks to do, we say, well, we can't do that. Or we'll say, well, I can't do that. Instead of just stepping out on faith and saying, Lord, this is for you to take care of. And I have to understand this in my life, that I have to make sure that the things that God has given us to do as a church, the things that God has given us to do as individuals, that we must follow in the path of God and follow His will in that and have faith to do it. And sometimes that means stepping out on faith, sometimes stepping out where we don't see the outcome and honestly, sometimes, friends, that's the easiest way where you don't see the outcome, but God has already seen it. And he said, you just go ahead and do what I've asked you to do. Now, was Joshua successful when he did it God's way? Why, sure he was. <laughs> I mean, they get there in the battle. I mean, here's this little army of Israel, and here's this great throng of armies of all these kingdoms, and they're there on the, in the valley, and, and here comes Joshua and the, the little army of Israel, and they go up against them people, and God says, okay, I got this. And all of a sudden, they start fighting, and, and they, they take one with a sword, and 15 more fall, you know. And they just keep going through it. And all of a sudden, Joshua's looking at the battle and fighting. And he looks around him, and he's looking for these kings. And then they take the sword, and they take the sword, and they, they take those kings down. And they keep on doing this and keep on doing it until finally now the armies that were so great in front of them is now a little minuscule amount of people. And then that minuscule amount of people, God says, take them also. Don't leave any of them there. Because if you leave any of them there, if you leave any of the devil's advocates there, they will come against you and they'll fight against you time and time again and so they do 
And then you know what they do? Because they've obeyed God, now God gives them spoils. Now they pick up all these spoils. And that means all the riches and everything else that they brought with them. All the, the armament that they needed now to arm the rest of the people there, uh, of the Hebrew people. And they begin to give them swords and staves and staffs and, and there's horses there and saddles and things that they need. And they begin to put all this stuff together and food that they brought, provisions, tents and so forth and so on. They put all this stuff together. They pack it up and, and, and then Joshua turns around and he sees that king. And he says, oh, you're the head, aren't you? And he says, let's cut the head off. Do you know that's exactly what God does in the very end? He cuts the head of the devil off in a sense. And he cast him into the bottomless pit where he can never bother us anymore. All because we simply had faith and stepped out on that faith and left nothing undone. So nothing undone requires some things to be done, but also nothing undone requires some things to be undone. Here's the heart of the matter, you see. For any person like Joshua or us or even as a church congregation, there are some things that have to be broken up. Our idiosyncrasies, if you will. Our thoughts, our plans, our ideas, our idealism even. Those things have to be broken up. And as we do these things, then God blesses us. In order to get everything done on your to-do list, there are some things that you just got to mark off you know because you get there to the grocery store with your to-do list you know you get there to the carpenter store with your to-do list and they don't have 16 penny nails like you need and so what do you do well you're either going to go to another store which is 20 miles away or you're going to go ahead and buy the next size nail that might work just as well you know because God provided that for you too if your to-do list includes an hour of prayer, then is an hour of prayer what you really need? Or do you need hours of prayer? You know, we, we sing that song, sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer. What about it if we had more than just one hour of prayer? You get up an hour early in the morning and just pray. Go to, go to bed or, or set a time aside before you go to bed for another hour of prayer. During your lunch break at, at work, whether it be 15 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour, or some of you take an hour and a half, I know how that is. I mean, put some of that time to prayer. Not just bowing over your food and say, Lord, bless this food and the bounty that we're about to receive. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You know, and that was your dinner prayer. Instead of maybe thinking about all those on our prayer list at that time, thinking about all those that, that in, in our society are lost and need Jesus and praying for them, all those that work around you. And you don't have to pray these prayers out loud. You say, oh, preacher, I can't pray in the cafeteria at the meal or the factory because everybody will see me praying. Praise God. Amen. I mean, if they see you praying, then, then they're going to know there's something different about you. And they're going to come to you and they're going to say, why do you pray? Why do you do that? And then you've got an open opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. If your to-do list includes faithful attendance, 
then that is a time which you cannot do other things. God wants us to be faithful in our prayers. He wants us to be faithful in our Bible reading and our study time. He wants us to be faithful in our attendance to church. He wants us to be faithful to our stewardship. He wants us to be faithful in our discipleship. He wants us to be faithful in every single area of our spiritual life. David Livingston said this. He said, I have found that I have no unusual endowments of intellect, but this day resolved that I would be an uncommon Christian. Dear friends, have you ever decided that you was going to be an uncommon Christian? Now, what does that mean? Well, see, the common Christian, they wear their Christianity on their sleeves. Oh, preacher. Well, that's exactly right. Christianity is just something they can wear today and wipe it off tomorrow. Live for the Lord today because it's Sunday, and I can come in here and I can sing God's songs and I can pray, and everybody will think, I am so good. And then on Monday we walk out there and there's a different story and a different life. You see, that's the common Christian. But the uncommon Christian, that is the Christian who is a Christian 24-7, seven days a week, 365 and a fourth days a year. Every single day they're a Christian. Every single day we serve the Lord. Every single day we honor God. Every single day we're smiling in our hearts and smiling in our faces because we love God and we honor God and we want to obey God and we want to do God's will. And so we put our faith and our trust in everything that God is doing. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for people like David Livingston. He was a great missionary led many, many natives to the Lord. And how thankful are we that he did that? Because now there are people there in some of those native countries that he led to the Lord that are now preachers preaching the gospel. And those preachers that are there preaching the gospel, they're standing for the Lord today. And souls are being saved because of them. And some of them now have become preachers. And now they're standing in pulpits and preaching over there in their native countries and their native tongue. And many souls are being saved. You see what I'm saying? You see how it works? We have to have a purpose, you see. And our church has a purpose. Our church has a purpose to lead souls to the Lord, to grow Christians. Amen? And to grow those Christians in such a way that every one of us can stand like Joshua and leave nothing undone. To make sure everything is accomplished for God and His will. Do you know that when Handel Messiah composed the Messiah. He withdrew himself for 23 days, locked himself up in a room for 23 days. Now, today we enjoy that music, don't we? I love to listen to Handel's Messiah, one of my favorite musical pieces at Christmas. love to listen to it. And we appreciate it, but you appreciate it more when you know that he locked himself in a room for 23 days to get his soul right to make sure that when he wrote Handel's Messiah that it would uplift and honor God. You see, everything we do, we must put to prayer. Everything we must do, we must ask God, God, is this thy will? Is this what you desire for me to do? 
And we must honor that then. When we know then that that's what the Lord's will is for our life, then we must honor it. And we must all honor it, dear friends. As a church, we must honor it. And we must love God. So we come then to a third point this morning. And I'm soon going to be done. Nothing undone requires priorities. We need to prioritize some things in our life. And I, I believe that people have priorities in their life, but I believe that those priorities are sometimes misguided, misplaced. The priorities are in the wrong places. Let's read verse 15 again. He says, As the Lord commanded Moses his servant, so did Moses command Joshua. And so did Joshua. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded Moses. The priority of Joshua was to obey the Lord's commands. So his priority was there. And our priority today ought to be always to obey the command of God. That should be the number one thing every single day that we think about. Before we think about our work, before we think about what we're going to fix for breakfast, you know, uh, before we think about, you know, what time it is and we got to rush around, am I going to get coffee this morning? Am I not going to get coffee this morning, you know? We got to think about the priority. And then we have to say, God, am I going to let your priority be my priority today? Or are other things going to get in your way? Are other things going to take precedence over the main thing that should be always the main thing? Joshua didn't let it. Can you imagine what would have happened if Joshua had forgotten about his priority? If Joshua had let down, the armies of Israel would have been annihilated. In just a split second, they would have been gone. But because Joshua stood his ground, because Joshua understood and accepted the priority of the Lord, things were handled properly, and God was blessed, and so were his people. Now, today we live in a society where we want everything immediately. Instant this, instant that. I mean, you can go to the store and you get a, a, a four-course meal, pop it in the microwave, pop it in the air fryer, and in ten minutes you're sitting down with your family at the table enjoying a big old meal, you know. Wow. You know, we, we go to the water faucet and we turn the water faucet on and we want water to come out of that faucet immediately, right? I remember back when I was a young boy going to my grandparents' home and the only way to get water in the house was to go down to the spring house with a bucket and carry that bucket back from the spring house to the water. That's how we took baths. And then to do that, we had to put it in a great big old wash tub and boil that or get it hot enough so we could get in that wash tub and take a bath. And then everybody had to take a bath in the same bath water. Amen? You know? It would have been nice if you were the first one in the bath water, but I was always the last one in the bath water. <laughs> I didn't like that. And who wants to be cleaned up with dirty water? Anybody? That's why we need to get our priorities right. If we get our priorities right, listen, friends, uh, we don't have to get cleaned up with dirty water because dirty water can't clean no one. And that's what we've been trying to do in our world. We've been trying to get the dirty water on us and get cleaned up with the dirty water when it's only the fresh, clean water of God that cleans us and purifies us, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. 
You see, nothing undone requires some priorities. We've got to go see God. And the only way to resolve this, leaving nothing undone, is to make sure we put these priorities in its proper perspective. Then lastly today, nothing undone requires redeeming the time. Take your Bible and turn over to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to read verse 16. And actually, we're going to back up and read verse 15 with it. Ephesians 5, beginning reading in verse 15. Notice what God says here. Simple instruction. See then that you walk circumspectly. And circumspectly means... Not just upright, but circumspectly means according to the things that have been, the instructions that have been given to you. Instructions, circumspectly. And then you can, when you do it that way, you can walk upright and know that you've done a good job. So notice what he says. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools. God says in the Bible that a fool is a person who says there's no God. He doesn't trust God. So let's not walk like there is no God. Let's not walk like that we don't believe God. Let's walk like we believe that there is a God and we trust Him for everything and make Him our priority every single day. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And then he says this. As we do that, then he says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We live in a day right now where I've never seen such evil. I've never seen such heartache and such pain. Sister Carol, I'm going to mention this this morning. Yesterday, Sister Carol had a nephew. Was your nephew? He lost his life yesterday. He was doing something that several of us others in the church did yesterday. Went hunting. Didn't think anything about losing his life. Didn't think anything about anything that might would happen there. But an explosion happened, and now he's gone. You see, dear friends, it could happen with us that very same way. And I believe that's why that God tells us that we need to make sure that we redeem the time. Redeem the time. Today is a day of salvation, not next week, not, not next year, not when I can get myself better. You know, when the Lord saved me, I, I, I'd been being dealt with for over a year. <coughs> and I kept thinking to myself, I can't get saved until I get myself where I think I need to be before God can save me. If you keep thinking that way, dear friends, you'll never get yourself where God can save you. You see, God saves us where we are, exactly where we're at. And He loves us. And that's why He does that for us. And He cares so much for us to give His heart and His life, to give His Son to us. And that's why He says today is the day of salvation. And then he reminds us that he is the same yesterday, today, 
and forever. So his salvation then is the same. By the way, we go all the way back to the beginning of this lesson today. His commands are the same. They've not changed. So he tells us, redeem the time. Why? Because the days that we live in right now are evil. People killing people for no reason at all. I, I think of the heinous things that right now Israel and Hamas are going through. The lives, the countless lives that are being lost. They don't need to be lost. They're fighting over land that has been Israel's ever since God gave it to them. And yet, they're fighting for these things because of disbelief in God. Disbelief in the Messiah. And then you get these radical organizations that gather together, and all they are is groups of people who are nothing but pure evil, pure hatred. And they do these terrible things to people. Evil in our world. Now, why is there evil in this world? Because the evil one is in this world. He was cast out of heaven because of his decisiveness, because of his deception, because he desired to be God himself. He, wanted, he, he became so prideful that he felt that, I can do this. And God cast him out of heaven. And along with him, he cast angels out of heaven too. And those other angels are now the demonic forces that are in this world today. And we fight against powers and principalities, the Bible says. We're fighting against it every single day. And since we fight against it every single day, I am made more aware of the evil presence of the evil one than I have ever become aware of. You ride down your streets and you can see it. The other night I was up here visiting Miss Lou at the hospital and, and I, I drove home just a short distance from the hospital to the house. And as I, was, I was passing through town, it was late at night, and as I was passing through town, here is a young boy and a young girl with backpacks on their back, evidently homeless, walking through the streets, trying to find some place to get warm, trying to find some place where they could house themselves. Or maybe they were trying to find something to break into. I don't know. But evil in our world allows that. Evil in our world causes that, dear friends. And our towns and our cities, they are full of that. In our rural areas, in our urban areas, we're full of those things today because of the evil. During 9-11, when they began to research all these folks that had come and done these terrible, tragic deeds, they, they began to realize that there were factions and cells already in place in America and had been here for years and years and years, training. And even though that we have heightened our military, even though we've heightened some of these, 
these things to find out this. Do you know that there are still groups out there and they might be living beside of you. They might be in your neighborhood right now and you wave at them every single day when you pass by and yet you have no idea that one day when they receive that phone call or when they receive that text, dear friends, and it doesn't have to be someone from that country. It could be any even people in this country because there are idiots in this country who are following the same path that those folks have followed. And you have no idea that those people that you're waving at, those people that your children play with their children, one day will turn on this United States of America because of the evil that's here. I believe we need to redeem the time, dear friends, because the evil is in our world now. And because of that, dear friends, it makes it so much more important for me to tell you this next statement. That if you're lost, if you've never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, you need to be saved today. And not only that, but if you are saved and you do not have your priorities in the right place, now's the time to get it done. Amen. Make Jesus number one. Make his work number one, dear friends. Always let Jesus be number one in your life. And if you can do that, you've accomplished a great deal. With heads bowed and eyes closed all over the congregation. Fathers, I come before your throne of grace today. I Sometimes I'm overwhelmed, Lord. Sometimes I'm overwhelmed by your goodness and your grace and Father, your mercy. As to why that you would love us so much, Lord, that even though that we are so evil, that you would still love us and still bring salvation to us. But Father, I am so grateful today that you have done that. Because Father, it was through that grace that enabled me to stand here this day and to share this lesson with these folks. Father, help us today. Oh, Lord, help us to see ourselves the way that you see us. Lord, help our, our sinfulness to be moved away from us. Lord, help our arrogance to be moved away from us. And Lord, help us to get on, on your path. Father, may we see the truth today. Father, as it has been revealed to us from your word, Lord, that we should leave nothing undone in this world. Father, help us to, to make sure that our priority is to make you our priority. And help us to do that every single day. And then, Lord, in this congregation, I pray for lost. I pray for those in our congregation, Lord, that are saved, but yet uh, they've walked away from you a little bit. Oh, Father, they're, they're still trying to be as faithful as they can, but there are things yet in their lives that have taken precedence over you. And, Father, we've seen in this lesson today that we can't let anything interfere in your, in your list. We need to make sure that we get that to done list done for you. And if we let things interfere, Lord, it'll never happen. So, Father, I pray for them. And then, Father, I pray for myself. I ask you, Father, that you would help me, Lord, to be a strong pastor, Father, to be a loving pastor, 
Father, to be a leading pastor. And then, Father, to be one, Lord, that you can use, one that leaves nothing undone. And I ask this in your precious name. Now as the song leader and pianist comes forward, I'm going to ask you to stand today. And I don't know about you, friends, but, you know, it's, a, it's an eye-opening experience when you see something in the Word of God and you realize, especially like this, that you didn't do something that the Lord wanted you to do. And I think it's going to be even more of an eye-opening experience when we get to heaven and we stand before God and we realize that we didn't do something God asked us to do and now there's no more chance to do it. So today is the day of salvation. But not only is it the day of salvation, it is also the day of recommitment and redeeming yourself unto God. So as the song begins to play and we sing that first verse, I want you to listen. Listen to God's Spirit. Don't listen to how everybody's singing around you. Don't even listen to me standing up here. Listen to God and let God speak to you as we sing. 524. hides us in the cleft of the rock. You know, I think about Moses when he put him in the cleft of the rock. Now, why did he do that? That's what's important. Because Moses asked him to see his glory. Moses wasn't ready in this physical body to be able to experience the full glory of God. And so he said, I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock and I'm going to let you see the backside of my glory. God protects us. One day we will be ready to see the glory of God. But friends, what we see here on this earth, wouldn't it be good to see the glory of God here? Just a glimpse of it. And let us let God hide us in that cleft so as He passes by that we can see it. There in Jericho, Jesus passes by, doesn't He? And there's a there's a fella up in a sycamore tree. Y'all know what a sycamore tree is, don't you? Well, over there the sycamore trees are a bit different than they are here. But it's still a sycamore tree. 
those sycamore trees over there, they have low limbs. And Zacchaeus got on them low limbs and he climbed way up there. Why? Because he wanted just to be able to see Jesus. But Jesus perceived that he was there. And as he passes by, he looks up. And what does he say, kids? Zacchaeus, come on, help me out. You come down right now. Why? Because I'm going to your house today. Amen. Is he going to your house today? When you leave this place, is he going with you? Don't leave him behind here. Take him with you, friends. Let's be dismissed in a word of prayer. Now, Father and Almighty God, I thank you for your providence today. Lord, providence that brought us here to your house. Providence that allows us to hear and see your word and, Lord, to be taught once again. And, Father, I pray that as these folks here have heard your word today, that, Lord, they don't just catalog it away someplace and forget about it. But, Father, that they can understand and hear this message ring in their ears all week long. And, Father, allow your Holy Spirit to work in their hearts to make things right in their lives that when we stand before you that you can say, well done. But even before we stand before you there that we can make sure that nothing has been left undone for you here on this earth. And we give you praise and honor in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless each one of you.